Hello and welcome to Cybercrime Investigations. The inside story of the Talk Talk hack with Jeff White and Glenn Goodman. Um, so the last episode we left... The last time we met. The last... When last we met. Yes. Um, Tamsin had sent five grand to Bangkok. That's right. To a man she didn't know. Um, yeah. Because she'd been subject to this whole sort of fraud kind of episode. Um, oh, so she did actually send the five grand. Oh, yeah, it, it yeah. It went through. Five grand in cash through MoneyGram. And amazingly, with MoneyGram, all you need to do is a name and a city, and that's it. That's a, a name? And a, don't you need a number no, of some kind? Nope. Nope. How can they just send it to a name? I was really surprised at this. I mean, I've never really used MoneyGram before, but yeah. So if a guy comes in, presumably with some ID, yeah. to a MoneyGram centre in Bangkok and says, I'm Sahil Hussein, here's some ID, yeah. they give him the five grand. <clears throat> oh, I see. Yeah. That's, it's as simple as that. It is as simple as that. Wow. Oh, so that's how the unbanked... That's how the unbanked live. <laughs> that's how a glimpse into the netherworld I of the unbanked. I always unbanked. wonder how yeah. the unbanked got <laughs> their unbanked, money. Yeah. Now, presumably, I guess MoneyGram probably take a cut, I imagine. I don't know, but, mm. you know. So anyway, so, so Tamsin tells me this whole story. It's during the middle of the October 2015 hack. I put this on telly. For a start, not quite connecting that, that this might actually be a different thing to the, you know, just kind of lumping the whole thing together. Mm. But also, um, I cocked it up. I cocked it up, basically. Which, in hindsight, was what actually led to the rest of the story, but at the time didn't feel very good. Basically, so Tamsin... I said in the piece that Tamsin was given £50 or £20 compensation by Talk Talk. Right. Uh, and, in fact, she hadn't. She'd been offered that. She'd been offered some compensation. But she turned it down. Exactly. Out of principle? Yeah. Now, for her, that was a big thing. So, so I phoned up afterwards, which generally, I sometimes do, sometimes don't, and said, look, did you see the piece? Was it okay? Mm. And she was furious. I mean, this had, this had, she, she was really, genuinely really upset. Oh, okay. Because, actually, you know, it, and it was one word. It was literally given versus offered. Like, I'd made one word mistake. And, and I felt terrible because, you know, I'd made her relive this whole episode. It had brought up all these issues. Mm. And, you know, I'd buggered it up. Um... So I sort of thought, well, is there some way I can kind of um, make up for this? You know? I feel bad now for saying in the previous episode that uh, that I wouldn't have fallen for well, the thing Tamsin fell for. I because know, I now know. she's going to be furious with this podcast too. No, it just... I'm I, sorry, Tamsin, I didn't mean it. I would have fallen for it as well, I'm that's sure. That's the thing. As I say, it's very difficult when I tell people this story to, to just alert them to the fact that, you know, they, that there's a lot of people who would actually have made the same mistake. Anyway. Probably, probably nearly everyone, let's be yeah, honest yeah, here, yeah. because the thing is that when you're, uh, as you say, we already, I'm already primed to know that yes. it's a con, whereas if I hadn't known that, yeah. uh, everything about the story that I've heard so far sounds pretty much plausible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I said to Tamsin, OK, look, you know, I'll make it up to you. Let's, let's, let's meet up and I'll see whether there's something we can do to knock the story on. Because I thought, well... There's got to be some evidence trail. Like, I've been doing cyber for a while. There's got to be some traces of this. And maybe I can pull at those threads and, you know, yeah. advance the story. So we meet up. And it's one of those frustrating conversations where I'm like, well, have you still got the email they sent to you? No, I deleted it. Have yeah. you, what about the laptop? Maybe it's still traces of the of the software. No, no, no. I, I had the laptop wiped, you know. And it's just a parade of just no's. And then 
She said, oh, well, I've still got them. She had the laptop yeah. wiped? Yeah, she was freaked out. I mean, basically, there's this... As far as she's concerned, there's a virus on the laptop. Oh, I see, of course, yeah. 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 All right, so... So a lot of leads have, been, have, have gone. And then she says, I've, I've still got the number that he phoned me from, this guy phoned me. Hmm. Yeah, so there's two people she spoke to, the guy who installed the software and then the guy who did the bank stuff. Right. The guy who did the bank stuff phoned her up at one stage to chase and said, have you done it? Have you transferred the money? To obviously make sure that she'd done it. Yeah. And he'd phoned from an Indian number. Okay. So that's a lead, right? A, a mobile number. Yeah. So, you know, look, I'm an investigative journalist. I've got access to all the tools. I was working for, for Channel 4 News at the time. You know, like, so I took the number and I put it into a thing called Facebook. I don't know if you've come across this. It's a... No, but I mean, I think that's a specialist tool that only investigative journalists have access yeah, to. Yeah, I think it's more available now. But yeah, I mean, it's a kind of creepy stalker site where people sort of put <laughs> pictures of themselves and you can find that everywhere they've been. You know, there's it's a whole store of information. I'm amazed that it exists. I don't know how all that information gets about people on there. But anyway, I took it. <laughs> um, I should say, post Cambridge Analytica, this trick no longer works. I put the mobile number into Facebook. Cambridge Analytica ruin everything. <laughs> Darn them. <laughs> um, I am not the only person who's annoyed this trick no longer works. I've spoken to other investigators. That, who, yeah, anyway, so, so you used to be able to put in a mobile phone number and then it would come up with the page that that number corresponds to. Yep. Shaweeb Khan. A man called Shaweeb Khan. But why Khan. can you not no longer do that? If it's publicly available information, it's just on a, a Facebook page with no... If the mobile number's been put on a Facebook page yes. so that you can, fo say, phone up the Facebook page... Yes. Then why would they no longer index that information and allow you to search for it? It's like... <laughs> it's business kind of... It's like yellow pages or something. I mean... Yes, it's just... It's just... A, I don't think most people <laughs> knew that that was possible. It's one of the reasons I never gave Facebook my phone number was because... It's then linked to your Facebook account. And B... Oh, hold on. You mean that if you don't publicise your phone number, it's still linked to your Facebook... Yeah, I mean, this guy this guy didn't have that number as... You know when you can put okay. a thing on Facebook saying, yeah. here's my number? Oh, that's what I assumed you were talking no, no, about. No, 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 no. So it was just the one that he put when he signed up to yep. Facebook and thought was private and that only Facebook knew about it? Yep. <laughs> yeah. And so the reason that doesn't happen anymore is, is uh, Mark Zuckerberg in his testimony before Congress said that he... he they were concerned at Facebook that somebody had been typing in every mobile phone number possible, finding out the accounts off of it, and then harvesting that information. So you've got all the Facebook information. Oh, plus... they were concerned about that. <clears> they were a bit concerned. They were a little concerned. A little concerned. Yeah, a number of things that they've been concerned How? about. But when you put that information into Facebook and say, this is the bit that I don't want shown, mm. which I've done with some of my information, you assume it then can't be linked to you in any way by any outsider. You I would think, assume that. Yes, I would I would imagine most people would have been surprised oh, by that. Worked with email sake, addresses Mark, as well. Why, Mark? Why, why you do these things? <laughs> why you do, Mark? Well, it's like um, he said, like, Facebook's doing so well, they're making so much money. Why would they just, like, just make these silly kind of... Ugh. Look, I don't know. All I know is in this particular example, it, it was handy. So anyway, so I bring up... I bring up... So I'm still fuming. The Facebook page of Shuib Khan. Yeah. 22 years old, resident of Calcutta. Okay. And there are selfies of him, you know, having a good time, out and about. Um, he's a big Ooh. fan of the selfie. And so suddenly I'm thinking, well, <clears throat> that's a lead. Yeah. You know, this mobile number has called Tamsin, has executed the scam. The mobile number links this page. But of course, that's not, you know, you're trying to... Who knows? Maybe somebody put a fake number in. I don't know. Right. So I mulled this for a little while and I thought, sod it. So I called the number. 
just we recording? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm good. I'm not that good. <laughs> You've got to get your head around these mobile phone apps. I know. The, 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 is there a, can, can record? I record on the Apparently, wow, it's amazing. Amazing wow. what you can do. These anyway, days. so I call up and he answers the phone and he says, hello, talk, talk speaking. Wow. So yes. he was expecting your call. Which is a pretty, that's it, yeah. So then I'm like, well, that's interesting. So then I thought, well, hang on, there's one more thing I need to do here. So we had a, a, a fixer in India, somebody, a colleague in India who'd worked on stories. So I said, look, could, could we get that person to just quickly call this number from India? Mm. Chat picks up the phone, says, hello, Mr. Khan speaking. So from an Indian call, he's answering it, Shareeb Khan. From my call from the UK, he's saying it's talk, talk speaking. Right. That's pretty good, right? That's, that's, this is starting to look like the guy. Yeah. But I'm thinking, well, it's still... I don't really want to go on Channel 4 News accusing this guy of this fraud without a bit more evidence. So do you remember the name of the guy who she sent the money to, who Tamsin sent the money to? Um, The guy who Tamsin sent the money to... Yes. uh, He was in Bangkok. He was. Sahail Hussein in Bangkok. That's right. So I looked down Shuib Khan's timeline on Facebook. Three days before she sends the money... Guess who pops up on the timeline? Sahel Hussein. Sahel Hussein. Who, two days before Tamsin sends the money to Bangkok, flies from Calcutta, where he lives, to Bangkok, updates his Facebook status to say going to Bangkok for a business meeting, then takes a series of selfies of himself having a sunny holiday in Bangkok, presumably on Tamsin's dime, before flying back to Calcutta. Was it really necessary to do all that? Couldn't you've just got a you know a green screen background and of, of like and had a beach superimposed <laughs> on it and held a cocktail in his hand and I didn't need to. I had I had all of his pictures of him sunning himself on beaches and stuff. No, but I'm saying why did he go to Bangkok? That's what I'm asking. Well, he's picking up the money. She sent it there. He's got to go to Bangkok. Oh, he has to, to present the... himself in person exactly. to pick up the money, right? Exactly. Okay. So clearly there's something in and this isn't the only link to Thailand by the way in this story. There's clearly some India Thailand link where Thailand is where the money goes and India is where the scam happens. Okay. So, Thailand's where the money goes. Yeah, goes the weasel. So I've got Shweeb Khan his mobile number linked to the thing, him answering the phone with the talk talk and Shreep Khan. I've got Sahail Hussein, who coincidentally is also the guy that Tamsin sent the money to, who two days before she sends the money to Bangkok, goes to Bangkok, etc, etc. By the way, after he comes back to Calcutta, there's a picture from Sahail Khan in a casino with the hashtag winning on it. So I'm like, okay, this appears to make sense. But of course, before you put the story on air, you have to do the... Uh, due diligence? Right of reply, yeah. So you have to go back to them and say, hello, this is what I think. This is what I've got. This is what we're going to say. What do you say? So I message Shareeb Khan and Sahail Hussain through Facebook. I'm Jeff White. I'm investigative journalist. I'm doing this thing. By the way, here's the evidence. Here's what's happened. Blah, 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 blah. Eight hours later, both profiles disappear and have never returned. Ah. We put the story out on Channel 4 News. I'd say it was it was... It was a moment I'm very proud of because it's like, finally, these guys kind of, you know, cybercrimes are all faceless cybercrimes. No, it's not faceless. It's some guy at a keyboard and here they are. Yeah. You know. And after all his incredible effort and the painstaking way in which he set up this scam, (laughs) he then goes and blows all the money in a casino. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, that's... that's it's like human beings encapsulated in that one story, isn't <laughs> exactly. it? Just the human mind at work. It's like ingenious in yes. earning the money and yes. then just squander it all immediately. I suspect they didn't realise uh, what was going to happen next. So we put the story on air. Um, 
the guys went to ground. They have not come back. Um, it was... Was it cathartic for Was it Tamsin? definitely two different guys, by the way? Or was it... Could it be one guy? No, it's two, two separate guys. Okay. Two separate guys, for reasons that will sort of become clear oh, right. later on. So, yeah, Tamsin? Tamsin felt... At least, I mean, at least she got to see the, the face of the guy who'd been phoning her up. Yeah. And, you know, I think that was cathartic. It was also very painful, this whole process of unpacking, because she had to keep coming back to an issue that had cost her five grand, that, by the way, she never saw again. Yeah? So, is the, is the end of this story going to be that she ends up marrying either Saqib <laughs> or Sahel? Or maybe she marries one and the other one's the best man at the wedding. <laughs> that would certainly be the, the, a Hollywood ending, wouldn't it? Like, yeah. Yeah, the sort of, sort of odd couple kind of thing. Who was that? There was a film, wasn't there, with sort of Steve Martin and yes. Michael Caine where they played fraudsters and they thought they were doing a fraud on this woman but actually she, but she was, was a con, con, Dirty Rotten Scoundrel. That's that was right, right, yeah. Yes, no, this she was the best con artist of the lot. <laughs> This, this doesn't end like that, I'm afraid. Oh. Sorry. Um, so I start getting calls from people after this in Calcutta. Right. Telling me, well, hang on. Um, I know these guys and I, I know what's happened here. Okay. Because, I mean, you don't kind of perpetrate this level of scam, you know, without... Because it's not just Tamsin, by the way. There's, there's at least dozens who've come out of the woodwork in my investigation. I suspect hundreds of people in the UK... Who've fallen victim to exactly the same scam. And it's the same, even the £5,200, the remote access tool, the being transferred from one person to another, it's the same scam. It's the same MO. Yeah? I see. Yeah. And if they've all lost five grand, some of them it's been it's been ten grand, some of it's been fifteen grand. It's always in the multiple thousands of pounds. Hold on, I've got a question about the previous episode, Mm -hmm. which is why did he need to install remote access software on her computer? Mm. If he was able to persuade her to go to his own website and type in digits, then yes. surely his website would know what those password digits were. So why would he need access to her PC? An excellent question. Excellent question. Some There's, there's multiple reasons to do that. Number one... If he's got remote access to her PC, he can bring up the screen full of errors that appears to show her computer is is broken. Yeah. So that's, that's initially that's that's a reason. The other thing is, in order to get her to go to the fake bank web- website, yeah. she's got to click the link that goes to the fake talk talk page that links to the fake bank sites. So he's got to yeah. send her. I mean, I guess he could have sent her an email. But the other thing is, once she's logged into her bank accounts, he's got to manipulate what she's seeing on screen. So she can't see that he's just taken 5200 from the savings and put it into the current. He needs to show her just the screens that he's showing her. He needs to show her on the, on the screen. Ah, yeah. so that answers my other question from before, which is mm. why didn't she sort of check yeah. where the transaction came from? Because during the conversation with her, yeah. he was kind of leading her in yeah. to the right screens. Yeah. And he, he screenshotted just the current account. And basically what you can do is you can put the screenshot so that it's full screen on the screen. So you think you're seeing the whole bank page live and you think you're seeing a current account. What you're actually seeing is a static freeze frame of just the one account. Right. And that's when he tried to get it to transfer the £5,200 back. Uh, okay. Yeah. So then I've suddenly got, I've now got two people in Calcutta that I've basically incriminated in this story. And people phone me up from Calcutta saying, I know these two guys. Um... There is what? What? Who were these people who were phoning you up from Calcutta? It, it, there was just this very weird period where blokes. It was usually blokes. It was all blokes actually. Clearly, these guys were sort of 
known locally. You know, they, they people knew of them. They knew that they were a bit scammy and knew a bit dodgy. So they'd phone me up. And it was so frustrating because I don't think they were making it up. I mean, I don't, you know, there's no reason why they would suddenly phone me up and go, I know these people. But none of them could just, none of them could give me like a name, like an address or a company name or, or I'd say to them, well, where, where are they? Do they have a business? Do they have a where, you know, where, can you give me any leads to go on to get further into these guys? Yeah. And they just kind of couldn't. But what they described was how the information leaked out of Talk Talk and leaked into the sort of criminal network run by these guys. Right. Talk Talk had had customer service issues for a while. So I think in 20, I think it was 2011, it was way back, they engaged an Indian company called Wipro to handle their customer services. So when you phone up Talk Talk's help desk, it was often Wipro you were talking to. Right. Which obviously isn't, you know, there's loads of companies who hire Indian call centres to handle the calls, right? Sure. Now, Wipro, look, I just want to make clear, Wipro, I've talk, spoken to other people who've worked with Wipro and they've had a very good experience, it's all been fine. In this case, it seems there were several fraudulent Wipro employees mm. who were taking TalkTalk Talk customer data, so the Calcutta office was where the TalkTalk Talk account was handled, putting it onto USB sticks, going to parties in Calcutta and selling the USB sticks of information for cash mm. full of TalkTalk Talk customers' information. And that leaked into the hands of this gang who then did the calls. Now, what was fascinating was, think about what they needed to do to do this on Tamsin. All they needed was her name, her phone number, and the account number. Which you can get pretty much anywhere. You phone up, you say, I'm calling from Talk Talk. She says, oh, you know, go on, prove it. And they say, well, your account number's this. And that was... But also, there was an extra element in they needed to know that Tamsin was having trouble with Talk Talk. If you go through the average person's dustbin, you probably find that. You probably find that information, yeah, yeah. But it only really works if you pick people who've already had issues with Good their point. Yes. So the suspicion is that these employees at Wipro were not just nicking just general customers' information, but were nicking specifically the information of customers who had technical issues. Which, yeah. let's face it, is what Wipros are you know often dealing with people about issues. So naturally, when you phone them, they're expecting the call. It was a perfect set of data. It was a really ideal set of data to be calling these people. So how can a company like TalkTalk protect itself from people on the inside who Mm. are unscrupulous? I mean, what what on earth can you do? You're always going to have thousands and thousands of low-level employees who have access to customers' account numbers and names. And, And it's interesting. I mean, the insider threat is really interesting in that it doesn't get on the news a lot because... Well, frankly, the insiders aren't going to tell you. The companies aren't going to tell you. You might see the data leaked on the dark web. That's possible. But you're right. There are ways you can do this. So some companies, for example, will disable the USB slots on computers. So you Mm. can't just plug in a thing. There are systems in place where if you plug in a USB and try downloading customer information, it gets spotted. Like you shouldn't be able to just take a spreadsheet of customers' numbers and... Are there ways to prevent uh, employees from uploading data, though, to, you know, WeTransfer type sites? uh, Dropbox. Yes, you can block access to WeTransfer. You know, there's all sorts of things you can do. I mean, fundamentally, an employee could go in with a mobile phone and just take a picture of the screen. 
Um, so some places will, will ban that, mobile I mean, phones. There must be infinite ways hmm. to to get around. You know, if if a company puts a ban on uploads to WeTransfer <clears> or yeah. something, you could create your own website, for yeah. example. Um, and then from your workplace, yeah. you could just click on that website you've created and upload yeah. information to that website, for example. I mean, how how would a company block that unless they just block any kind of upload yeah. of data whatsoever? For, for, I mean, for, it's interesting. For everything you can think to put in place, I can think of a way around, you know, a way to block that. So, for example, you just say to people, you don't have access to every website on the internet. We'll give you access to the ones you need to do customer support. Yeah. And that's it. You don't have open in, open internet access. Yes. But, uh, but on the other hand, I get your point. And for example, there was a bank in the, uh, I think it was a UK bank actually, uh, or it certainly had employees in the UK, who on their way home, several of them got um, uh, held up at knife point by some guys who said, tomorrow you will go in, you will steal this kind of data, you will bring it to us here because we know where you live and your family are at risk. Fair enough. Now I'd, I'd go along with that. This is the thing. So, and by the way, if you tell your bosses, we'll know. You know. So yeah. the, the way the bank in the end, I think, had to bus people Actually, a certain I might tell distance. The away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd either go along with it or tell the or police. Tell the... <laughs> I suspect I'd tell the police in that case because yeah. even if they're threatening your family, you could go into. I mean, I've watched films, and apparently, you can go into a witness protection <laughs> program according to the films. So uh... what would be your what would be your cover name? Go on. If you had to choose, because you can you can choose a whole new life and a whole new name. What would you what would you do you think have you ever thought about this what uh joe schmo <laughs> yeah just a regular joe schmo that's what i do i'd go to work yeah, and yeah. like the local kind of you know textiles factory i guess yeah, in yeah. Un- my new identity yeah and they go so what's your i'm just a regular joe schmo i'd say <laughs> they look and see me go wow you really are called joe schmo yeah <laughs> i mean that's interesting because instantly into my mind popped popped a thing of i don't know zach triumph <laughs> or something, you know, like if you oh, can choose, yeah, you're trying to you're trying to blend in. That's why I'm calling myself oh. Joe Schmo. Oh god, yeah, because yeah. it's just like I'm a regular Joe. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I've told yes, I'd be terrible at witness protection. I'd be like, I want my new life to be really wealthy and exposed. You know. Anyway, Jane, so John Doe. That's the other one. So so back to the plot. Um, yeah. The the employees were basically taking this information out. Look, the other thing is. You can steal information from a company. Yes, you're right. There's multiple information ways to steal that. The, the thing is then, well, how do you fence it off? Like, imagine you had some customer data now. What, what would you, you know, go to the local pub and try and find somebody who, you know. It just so happened in Calcutta there was this primed network yeah. who were ready to receive this information. And they could turn it into cash fairly easily. And the, the, the two gentlemen who uh, you were referring to before had access to that network mm. and knew that they were looking for information and knew that they would pay good money for it. Precisely so, which is possibly why they're based in uh, you know, an area like Calcutta where there's a lot of these kind of call centres going on. Right. So then I'm like, okay, how am I going to... I'm, get, I'm starting to get stuff from India, people calling from India and saying, oh, these are dodgy guys, you know, but they can't really give me... Any. So I'm thinking, well, is there another way I can get access to the operation that these guys are running? Because, you know, I've still got access not to their Facebook accounts because Shoeib Khan and Sahel Hussain's Facebook accounts have gone but there's people connected with them that I'm getting told about who are connected with their Facebook accounts so I tried all sorts I was thinking of all sorts of things I I sort of thought well can I set up a fake marketing company and see if they can do some scam calls for me can I pretend I'm this you know is there some way I can do this and I just every way I thought of it just either didn't work or wouldn't have been legal or ethical or or couldn't get permission to do or and it just it just slipped down the to-do list, you know, when other things come along and you think, I really should get onto that, and it just vanished. Yeah. Um, and then in January, 
uh, I got contacted on Facebook by a guy and I'll show you I don't know whether I still got the message yeah he just said um, I need to talk to you it's an emergency and he sent it four times and and what information did you have on this person did you have their name or anything well, he told me his name was it Sahel Hussein? No, it wasn't. It wasn't, but it was somebody who knew a lot about the situation. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. What did he say? Next episode. <laughs> In the next episode, you'll go inside the criminal network that's been targeting TalkTalk's customers. A string of scam call centres scattered across India using finely honed tactics to con victims out of their life's savings.